Hello, my name is Ronnie Edwards and I'm the director of Pomozzi Creatives. Thank you for joining me on the Everyday Inspirational Women podcast. I'll be spending time with and learning from women and girls that I personally find inspiring. Each one of us carries this incredible energy that can encourage and inspire. I really hope that you find a few inspirational nuggets from some of these women. Enjoy. So I'm here with Kim Hosier. Hello. Um, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you on our Inspirational Women of Portsmouth mm-hmm. um, podcast. So you are quite instrumental because you are in charge of parks. Yes. <laughs> and that's P-A-R-C-S. That's correct. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about what that entails? Mm-hmm. So PARC stands for Portsmouth Abuse and Rape Counselling Service and we've been going in the city since 1981. Um, and my role is, I guess, to oversee the organisation, but I also work as a psychotherapist. And we provide support and counselling for survivors of sexual abuse of all ages. So we work with children, we work with families, we work with adults. We go out into the community and run an educational programme and we also provide counselling for survivors of domestic abuse, adults. And um, just the work you do is testament to to your organisation really Mm -hmm. and we thought it was really important to mark Inspirational Women of Portsmouth and um, International Women's Day to support something like Parks. Mm -hmm. So would you mind just telling us how you got involved (laughs) with Yeah, it's interesting you talk about inspirational women because I was inspired by Diana Warren Holland who, with a group of other women from the city, founded Parks back in sort of the 1980s. And the reason she founded Parks was there were a number of rapes in the city of Portsmouth and there was no support available for those women. They had to go to London. So um, they got together around a kitchen table and started the organisation. And I met Diana when I was studying at university she came in to talk about the project I was very very interested in women's issues I was very very interested in interested doesn't sound like the right word but I wanted to do something about um, violence against women and girls Mm. very interested in mental health in walked Diana and I thought yes that's Mm. what I want to do so I started as a volunteer that's how I started here which is many many moons ago yes and I'm still here, which I guess says something about it how does. important the organisation is does. to me. And just, I just want to latch on to something you just said earlier on. There was no support for women who had been abused in Portsmouth. No, no. That's incredible. Yeah, so... so we're talking that. Early 80s? In the early 80s, yeah. So lots of the rape crisis centres in the country, I think the earliest one started in sort of 1976, 1977, I think in Scotland. So we were in Hampshire, um, we were the first rape crisis centre in Hampshire. Yeah, there was nothing for women in terms of, well, anything really. I I was going to say their emotional and psychological support, but also practical support. There was absolutely nothing. So these women got together. Some of them were from the university, which was then the Polytechnic, and said, we're going to do something about it. That's incredible. 
And your influence seems to kind of been spread right across Portsmouth mm -hmm. in terms of the work you do. Mm -hmm. Where are you based now? Um, we're based in um, Goldsmith Avenue. We just moved here sort of about nine months ago. Before that, we were in North End, but in a building that was more falling down than standing up. So we had to move. So we took the, the brave move, I think, in some ways to, to move to this building, yeah. which was an old doctor's surgery. And you do a little bit more than counselling as well, don't you, as an organisation? Yes. Would you, would you mind unpacking a few of the other things? Yes. Well, for about 20 years, we've been working in the community, in local schools and community spaces, so um, youth clubs, um, schools, colleges, the university. And all of that work really is around... Uh, challenging the cultures that we would say support the continuation of, of violence against women and girls and boys and men. Um, and challenging the cultures. Challenging the cultures. Um, because those cultures, you know, some of the myths we hear, you were dressed in a certain way, you went out at a certain time, etc., etc. All they do really is undermine people who've been hurt and abused and they support perpetrators because mm -hmm. perpetrators love myths because in a way it justifies mm -hmm. um, their behaviour. Yeah. Um, and we still see these myths out there. So recently there was a lot of criticism. Um, certain uh, police forces were suggesting that if women went out running, they should go out in groups. Yeah, we spoke about that last time we met <laughs> yes. So you want me to run with somebody else mm. in case it's my fault? Yes. <laughs> Yes. So and and so then, if something does happen to a woman when she's out jogging, what will happen is if she's seen that sort of promotional material, she will think, "Oh, I should have run in a group. I should have dressed in a certain way." Then she is less likely to come forward for support, and she is probably going to give herself a hell of a lot of grief mm. because of the way she behaved. And we're fed up with messages that tell women and girls that they have to police their behaviour when what we should be doing is, is challenging perpetrators. So these myths that were back, that were there in the 80s, in the yeah. 70s, we keep seeing them recycled and they just appear in another yeah. format. There have been changes, but... And why do you think that is? Is that just the media's control of, of how things are put across? Is it like just top heavy in terms of male influence mm. controlling the media? I think it's probably a mixture of things. I mean, some people would say it's still the patriarchal kind of structures yeah. that, you know, male men in power. When we look across, we've only got to look at parliament and the number of women yeah. compared to men. Um, I think some of it will be certain sectors of the media, social media. I think it's a lack of education. Um, so I think it's all those things coming together, really. And those are the things that we keep trying to challenge. So going back to our work, we go out into the community and we work with young people to do some of that work. So um, and we've just been um, working, not myself, a colleague has been working with a group of young women, particularly focusing on images in, in the media and how women are portrayed. And what those young women are saying is that until they sat in these groups with Parks and actually specifically looked at this media, mm. they don't even notice it. Mm. It's just part of the culture that they yeah. grow up in and they learn what it's, you know, how you're meant to be as a woman, how yeah. you're meant to act, how you're meant 
meant to dress yeah. almost through osmosis. And that's yeah. quite worrying. They're not even aware of it. Yeah. That's, that, and that's quite sobering as well, isn't it? Because you think, actually, it explains a whole heap of behaviour yes. and attitudes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, that they don't even, can't even articulate. Yes. Yes. So that sounds like a really... I'm quite particularly excited about this particular mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have some of the young ladies at our event on the 7th of Yes, March. they're really excited about that, really looking forward and, to it. And they've done a short film as well? They've done a short film called I'm a Girl. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've launched that. And that came out uh, as part of this project. But they're hoping to carry on. They're kind of our young activists of the future. That's what I'm excited about. So when you asked about my inspiration, Diana would have been one of them. And I talk about we need to have the baton carriers. Yes. So I sometimes feel as if I'm carrying a baton for a while oh. and then you hand it over to the next generation that carry it on. And certainly that's happened to me and I've seen it happen to other people through their journeys through parks. Oh, that's so wonderful and so releasing and, and not like... Controlling. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because that kind of come across sometimes, can't it? It's yes. Like establishment sometimes. Have yes. A stakeholder, uh, a, a gatekeeper, and, yes. and they, they hold it. Yes. And they don't always and they do, Yes, <laughs> and that's not, an that's not a model of empowerment no. in the same way that many of the, the people who use our service, boys and men, women and girls, they often become activists as well when they, not always, but some of them that for, I don't really like the word healing, but part of their process yeah. is to go out and do something to make yeah. a difference. Yeah. Um, um, have you seen the Portsmouth landscape change much then in, in the area of work that you're in? Uh, I think there are more services. I mean, in the 80s, so there's, there are more services, still not enough. So you see more services around domestic abuse. There's never enough because what happens is if you change the culture and people, so we saw it with Me Too, people feel more able to come forward, you then need the support services to support them. Um, and we see it right across, certainly in the field of sexual abuse, we see everybody struggling, the police are struggling, the criminal justice system is struggling, the support services are struggling. What I would say is there are some amazing women and men working in these sectors who work really hard to do the best that they can with what they've yeah. got. Um, so I think there are more conversations. People are, are uh, what's the word, perhaps find it easier to come forward. Mm -hmm. The fact that when we moved, we're more uh, visible. We tell people where we are now, where mm -hmm. we were before. We kept it hidden. And Is that I, for safety? It was... It, it was safe about safety, but I think also what could happen is it could add to the shame that people felt they had, you know, almost like, oh, I have to, this is a place that people go and because it's hidden, it could add a layer of shame. Whereas what we're saying that actually you've got nothing to be ashamed of. The, the shame is often misplaced. The shame is the perpetrators. You <laughs> Oh, it, yeah. it, you know, it yeah. isn't that, but uh, that's often what happens that when people arrive, they feel guilty and shamed. And when they leave, they realise that actually that guilt and shame is not theirs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, things have changed. We're much bigger. I mean, when, we, when I started, I think we had two members of staff and about eight volunteers. Mm -hmm. At any one time, we have up to 100 volunteers, most of them, again, from the local <laughs> community. It is incredible. 
And many of those volunteers stay with us for years and many of them go on and take up jobs in the local community mm. all around the same kind of issues. And we have probably about 20 staff, not all full time. So we are much bigger, but we work with far more people than when I first arrived. That's, wow, it's quite a testament to parks. Mm. And Kim, as an individual, mm -hmm. like, what would you say kind of drives you um, and inspires you, apart from the women? Like, is there, is there something about where you work? Uh, uh, well, the women do. The people yeah. who come here, the women and men, inspire me. Yeah. I, I see such uh, resilience, like a very yeah. overused word. I think with me... I think I'm just a stubborn, stubborn. determined, stubborn often <laughs> bloody-minded. I mean that in a good way. I love the voluntary sector. I do. I've worked in the statutory sector. I like working in the voluntary sector. I think that's where the creativity is. Um, what drives me? I, I have a strong sense of injustice and okay. justice. So I see a lot of and injustice calling and calling yeah. that out. I really can't stand that. And I, I've. Injustice has mattered to me since I was a child. Um, I'm very, very interested, I think I said about you know, violence against women and girls. Also mental health. Mental health is often the poor relation. So, and I'm also passionate that good quality therapeutic care should be available to people who can't pay. So sadly, you know, the NHS is so overstretched, mm. so people may get six to eight sessions if they're lucky within the NHS. Mm. It isn't enough. We can offer, we keep fighting to offer longer-term therapy for people right. because many need it because they've experienced abuse throughout childhood and mm. into adulthood. Mm. You can't sort that in six Good weeks. Sessions. We are setting people up to fail when we offer that. Mm. I often say, if somebody needed chemotherapy and they needed six months, mm. you wouldn't say to them, well, actually, you need six months of chemotherapy, but we're only going to give you two months. Mm. Why do we do that with therapy and counselling? Mm. We sit here knowing this person needs a year or maybe more, and we can only give them six weeks. It's not okay. And also, I know that many of the people who come here, because of things that have happened to them, they haven't been able to work or hold down a job, um, and can't afford to pay for therapy at 50, 60 pounds a mm. session. And also, if you've been sexually abused as a child and or as an adult, why should you have to pay? You've paid enough. Yeah. So for me, it's a moral issue. So um, why should we be asking people to pay for something because of something that's, been, that's happened to them? Um, so... So I think those roots, and I think I saw a lot of injustice as a, as a child um, and um, have my own experiences around mental health and psychiatric units, and I think all of those things have, have inspired me. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful to hear um, such passion about injustice, because it's a, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You can get... Um, your relationship with things that are unjust can get really superficial because we look at it on Facebook and we can respond by doing a sad face. Yeah. And that's it. Yes. <laughs> think, oh, but you're, you're kind of living and mm -hmm. walking it and breathing it. 
Well, I think the sad face, and again, I don't want to knock anybody who does that, but I think all of us, it's like, oh, I feel a bit better now. I've done a sad face <laughs> or I put money in the pot. And yeah. of course, we all need to do that. We need money in the pot and all the rest of it. Yeah. But we need also people that look at... So the, the work that we do in the community and schools is to try and get to the roots of okay. the issue. So um, and I think that's important. And you need to be, <laughs> I go back to you need to be bloody minded and determined and not yeah. give up. Yeah. Um, and that isn't just me. I see lots of, lots of the, the staff team, yeah. the volunteers and the people who come yeah. through the door. And there must be a tribe of it. <laughs> a tribe, it, it is. Yeah. It's like a tribe, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. that is such a mammoth thing that you, you need like-minded people, mm. I imagine, mm. to, to kind of even face it, let alone... Yes, <laughs> yes. And have you ever That's heard that? You. I think of that proverb, um, it takes a whole village to raise a, a child. child. Yeah. yeah. So oh, it takes yeah. a whole village to support a child That's as well. Amazing. So, um, and one of our hashtags at Parks is we can all play our part. Mm. So play your part. Because I think what can happen mm. with any of any of these I don't, issues, not the right word, but we can all think it's somebody else's problem and not ours, or it can seem such a huge problem like sexual, sexual violence, or um, we can think, oh, I can't do anything, I can't make a difference, mm. but we can. Mm. <laughs> so we try and support people in showing them how they can make a difference. So that can be calling somebody out who makes a racist a sexist joke racist joke any any kind of you can we can all play a part in yeah. in, in in doing something about that so but any of these so-called big issues like poverty isn't it i mean i was think i was reading something about um clothes you know about the number and people saying don't buy new clothes because they're talking about the planet mm. so we can all feel overwhelmed and think what can i can't do anything to make a difference mm. well maybe don't buy any new clothes for a year yeah. <laughs> makes a difference yeah. so we try and do that with sexual violence that everyone can make a difference oh wow you are truly an inspiration <laughs> thank you kim um so if anyone was listening to this and felt that actually they would they would be grateful to access your services mm -hmm. where could we signpost them to so our website parks.org.uk has all the information has all the phone numbers and how to get in contact with us both in terms of um, if people want to use the service but also if they're interested in volunteering we're always looking for people to to volunteer okay Fab. thank you so much for your time Kim. you're welcome thank you